my New Year's resolution is going to sound really weird, people, but it's don't start any companies. Welcome to Elevated Frequencies, the show that gives you access to the next level of house and techno so you can explore an elevated lifestyle. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that house music icon Claude Von Stroke recently announced his departure from the genre to go back to his roots, bass music, and his real name, Barclay Crenshaw. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This was a total bummer for me, as I'm sure it was for many of you. I, I've seen more Claude sets than I care to admit, and I've made some of my best memories at his shows. But, and not that my opinion as just one fan means much, I do respect the hell out of him for this decision because he knew it wasn't going to be popular, but he did it anyway. He's walking away from a massive brand that he built off his back to pursue what made him fall in love with music in the first place. I am so excited for you guys to hear it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly directly from him. Enjoy this conversation. Let's get right into it. You made this big announcement just a couple months ago. I think it was like at the end of November. How how are you doing? Like, how are you feeling right now? I feel great. Uh, I feel I'm not going to say that I was I was trapped, but I do feel a sense of freedom, and I'm just doing exactly what I want to be doing, and it's really awesome. That is really awesome. Um, a big theme of this show is people end up not being in alignment with like why they started their music careers. Yeah. And uh, to to fall back in alignment's a beautiful thing. So I was told that you went on like this journey, like a wellness kind of create exploring your creativity yeah. journey to help you finalize this decision. I'm I'm curious what that entailed. Uh, it was kind of a, a multi part life journey. So I original I sold Dirty Bird. Uh, like a year and three months ago. And then I went through like a three month. Oh my God. I sold dirty bird era. (laughs) And then, and then I started to get okay with it. And then I, I've been talking to the same guy for probably 10 years. His name is Mike Monday. He's kind of like a time management guru I guess you could say life coach. Mm-hmm. It, it It's almost to the point where he's my manager. He just keeps my head on straight, but we just have a weekly meeting and he lives in Australia. And he's all about just making tons and tons of music and then just whittling it down, but just keep making tons of music instead of making one thing and beating it to death. I'll get to the point, (laughs) but so I said, what would be the last albums that I made took like a year, two years, nine months. And I was like, what would be the most 
the thing that I don't think that I could do. And so I said, I'm going to make an album in 80 days. And that's just like a reference to like around the world in 80 days and all that stuff, all these books that I read when I was a kid. And I also said, I'm going to do this whole thing where I'm going to like take cold showers and work out every day. And it just became this whole thing. And I did it and it was really hard because I was even on like family vacations and stuff. And, but it was great. I, I, I made it and I really challenged myself during it as well. That sounds pretty incredible. And I'm curious, how was it different solely focusing on making an album, making music compared to all of the other things you did with the Dirty Bird Project, the festivals, the this, the that. I mean, that was a whole brand with multi, you know, faceted, whatever. And now you're just focusing on the music. Did that feel good to get back to that? Yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons why I sold Dirty Bird is because I got to a point where I was spending hundreds of hours on two festivals more than hundreds of hours and uh, trying to make records, doing a huge clothing operation, record label with like a release every week or every two weeks, listening to demos, listening to promos, touring kids. And I was like, you basically whittled it down to where you're releasing like two records a year. Mm-hmm. And they're like, to be honest, they're not even like your best records anymore. They're just like, you're just making it. You're just kind of hanging on. And this is what I'm telling myself, at least. <laughs> I don't know what anyone else thinks. And I was like, you know what? What in the world did you get in this for? To like run a corporation? I don't think so. So. I always loved hip hop, jungle, funk, dub, everything. And somehow I got really good at making house music just because of where I was from. That was like what you could do to make it. And now I don't have to do all these companies. So now I'm just doing that, like my original passion. It's it's a beautiful thing, but I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know that building Dirty Bird and those festivals didn't happen on accident. Like you're, you are someone who's really good at building a community, right? And you know, um, as someone who has seen many of your sets as Claude and been in some of those special moments, um, one for me was your. Um, uh, casino set at Groove Cruise, I think two years ago. Yeah. It almost, it felt like it, it just, it, it was a different sort of feel. That so, was unplanned. I just walked up there. I, I remember <laughs> we saw it <laughs> and uh, it was the best set of the weekend. If I, if I do say so myself and um, that's always but, the way it goes, just but, totally random. I'm walking by, they go, Hey, do you want to go on? I'm like, Oh, this looks fun. And then it just, yeah, that's what happens. It, it was, and it felt like a community. I mean, everybody was sharing in this special moment of this wasn't planned. I can't believe we get to see this. And so that's something that you're naturally good at. 
And so, um, I'm sure there's a lot of, I know that, you know, there's a lot of stress with, with running a brand like that, but I'm sure you have some happy moments and, you know, you feel oh, good yeah. about what you did. I mean, Dirty Bird Camp Out is the greatest thing, greatest life achievement ever. As far as I'm concerned, that is just like my favorite festival and really was incredible. It's just so hard to execute. Mm-hmm. But all the things we were doing there, like the weird shows, and like performances that aren't music and the games and all these things. That's how you really get beyond just people listening to music, even like where they're making friends and becoming, there's so many people that come up to me and say that they became friends at Dirty Bird. And now there's like, they're still their best friends like 10 years later. I love hearing that at the same time. I, it's so hard to execute that I really just wanted to see what would happen if I spent one full year and didn't do any of that stuff, like none of the extra stuff. My New Year's resolution is going to sound really weird, people, but it's don't start any companies. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's some overachiever shit. That's yeah, I respect it. I respect it. And I okay, so I'm not as curious about what the feedback has been, but I'm curious how you are handling it. I'm handling it really well because I I'm so focused that it almost I mean, of course it matters what the feedback is, but to me, all that matters is that I'm doing it and I'm putting in the work and I'm making myself do really uncomfortable things that I wouldn't, that I wasn't doing before. So like nobody knows this yet. Um, I'm I'm actually going to make myself super accountable right now, which is like one of the things where everyone gets makes like I'm trying to put myself in really kind of scary positions. So on this last album, I just went to London and I said I'm going to get all these people in the studio with me, and I and it was terrifying, and I just made like 150 beats and I just went there and I just made it happen. And it was absolutely terrifying, but I did it and it turned out amazing because I just did it. Like I just went and put all my focus into it. And so my next one that no one knows that I'm doing that I just decided that I'm doing yesterday is I'm going to go to Atlanta and I'm going to do the same thing with like hip hop. And it's going to be fucking terrifying. And I'm going to go to Atlanta and I'm going to fish out of water and it's going to be amazing. I hope (laughs) it could be a disaster, but I'm still doing it. That's really cool. And listening to some of the recent stuff you've put out, I'm hearing, I mean, I don't want to be like a genre snob because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I'm hearing a lot of like drill, like UK drill in there. I'm hearing hip hop. So is this, is this the same version of you like is this the same Barclay Crenshaw that that was from before is this something totally new so 
every project just has its own personality. The first project, I actually went into the studio with live musicians and I was trying to recreate 90s hip hop with modern production. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the vibe of that project was. It was a little more lo-fi feeling, a little more like down tempo-y. This project has a really strong UK t- tinge to it, but I think you're going to be super surprised when the whole thing comes out because, yeah, the first couple things were very grime influenced, mm-hmm. but there's like full singing funk songs on this thing. And like, really, it's like ridiculous. <laughs> you're going to be like, what is this? <laughs> really? I'm going well, everywhere. That's. I mean, I think that's on brand for you, though. You're always one to surprise and do something different. I mean, no two sets of yours that I have seen as Claude have been the same. So I yeah. think that that makes sense that you're doing that in this you know, new version of, of yourself. That's something that I'm really working on on the Barkley stuff because it's so uh, it's exponentially harder to DJ at like seven different BPMs. Yeah. And so previously my sets were a little more organized beforehand. And I'm trying really hard to not have it be like that, but it requires a lot of practice and I just have to really work on it because I don't want the person who goes to the New York show and then goes to the Chicago show the next day to be like, what the fuck? That's like the same set that I just heard last night. That's I'm a hater (laughs) and I would be annoyed if that happened. I mean, some people do that and that's okay. I'm not knocking it. It's just not my personality and I would rather not do it if I don't have to. It's a fair point. Uh, I don't like being an outfit repeater so I can relate a little bit. Okay, that's cool. That's a little different, but, yeah. you know. But not really. I, it's the same. Fashion is creative. It's like very, uh, fashion is, like, we're designing clothes right now for this project, and it's very thoughtful, and, like, you have to have strong intent and, like, know what you're doing a little bit, or and just free, I don't know. It's not, it's not nothing. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So what, um... I mean, you just threw everything out the window and you said, fuck it. Yeah. Um, It's crazy because I had like even like a certain amount of money that I would make. That's kind of what I was getting at. And I'm looking at like what I'm doing next and I'm like, yeah, wow. The promoters are not on the same page as they used to be, but obviously not because they never, they don't even know what they're getting yet. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I'm I'm taking the risk, and I'm I actually think it's going to work out even better. I'm actually really optimistic because I am just that person that's going to work harder than you. Not you personally. I don't know how hard you work. Probably. <laughs> I'm going to work harder than most of the people that I know. Yeah. That's that assuredness in yourself is really um, it's a key component to to making 
a transition like this. You have to have the confidence or like the abundance mindset to understand that if this certain thing doesn't work out, I can put the pieces back together a different way. Like I've done it once I can do it again. I mean, I'm looking at this year and saying we might not make anything. It's incredible. It's like, we might just like make our living expenses or whatever, but we're not going to, I don't think we're going to make money on this project. So, but I do think down the line, it could work out. I believe in it. That's, that's the most important thing. And understanding that instant gratification is not realistic when you're building a new, a new business, a new brand. It's not new to you, but new to some people, you know, that's, that's really important. Um, one thing that I'm always really interested in is talking about the evolution of a artist's career and like, how do you know when it's time to pivot? So for you, was it one moment? Was it a series of things? Um, so I was never a good employee at any point in my life. I was an employee for a very long time. And after I sold Dirty Bird, I worked there for a year. But theoretically, I was an employee. And I just, mm-hmm. I love Dirty Bird and they're going to do amazing. But I just wanted to get out of there. I just am not, the, I just need to run my own shop. That's just kind of the way it is. That was like, that was the realization for you. Yeah. And also, I don't know, like I had done everything that I, I had done past what I imagined that I was going to do in that way past. I actually just did house music as kind of a, oh, let's just see if this works. And then it worked. And then I did it for 20 years. <laughs> like, but I was actually a jungle DJ. <laughs> like, it was crazy. And if you listen to some of my very first house songs, they're literally jungle tracks in house beats, mm-hmm. which is why they worked. I don't know. It's crazy. It's it's just so funny how things happen. It it is, and um, it's interesting. Like you saying, you're not a good employee. That's that's my story too. I I quit my job and started my own business. I don't work well with others. Congratulations! Um, that's great. Thank, thank you. It's very it's uh it's very freeing. Yeah. But that's not like the um that's not the vibe that like the general public who you know who doesn't know you would ever get from you. You, you have a great, you have a great like persona for, I don't know, just being, just being out in the public. Yeah. I wouldn't say I don't work well with people. I just don't want to work on someone else's dream Mm -hmm. necessarily for a paycheck. I would just rather, if I'm going to just work, I would just rather work on my dream. I mean, that's, I'm in a very privileged, excellent situation. I can't be like, oh, everyone can just do that. I mean, I, I will tell you, I did not make it. I failed so many times. You have no idea. I was a fucking disaster for many, many years. And I had tons of ideas that flopped. 
I couldn't get anything to work. I worked at all these places. It was a mess. And then suddenly I just popped out and it started working. And But it, I had no easy path. But it's not suddenly. It was no, those no. failures were the stepping stones to getting yeah. like you, you have to, you have to acquire those because those are the lessons. And like, even if you're not actively realizing there's a lesson in there, it's helping you pivot, you know, towards yeah. the path you're supposed to be on. It's almost lucky that I didn't make it in the very beginning. My music was kind of crappy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think, you know, I mean, some people believe, you know, in universal karma, whatever. I do think that like, when it's the right time, it like it's it's meant for you, um, yeah. and I think that any artist needs to understand that failure is part of the journey, and like you should be excited to 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 get those losses because like that means you're clo- you're closer to your win. Yeah, I agree with that. Some losses I didn't learn anything from, but in some of some of them I did. That, that losses are just actual losses <laughs> that's fair that's fair i mean you can't like without the lows the highs don't seem so great and you can't appreciate them as yeah. much you know i think that's where i am now i'm like i'm thinking you're just you got complacent a little bit you need to push mm-hmm. into I mean, I'll tell you, I'm. you're getting some good stuff out of me. So, like, even when I wrote down my collab list, I wrote down a list of collaborations that I wanted to do. And I sat with it for a week, and I was like, what are you doing? They're, everyone on here is, like, going to be super easy. They're all going to agree to it. You're, no, like, I'm saying, like, nobody is... There's no difficult like scenario on here, and then I was like, "What if you wrote down the real collab list?" And you were like, "Oh, like DJ Shadow Offset, like the real collab list that you are scared to do." And then you went after that, and then I just said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do the real list." And I'm starting to put it together and who knows what's going to happen. But I think that being super scared is the key. If it's really scary, it's probably good. A hundred percent. And I do believe in the power of like writing things down because I think it makes it a more concrete idea when you can start thinking about it and visualizing it. It seems just a little bit more attainable. Um, a lot of people don't even bother because they say, you know, oh, that's not, that's never going to happen for me, you know, whatever it may be. But you Honestly, put it out that's, there. That's why I told you about Atlanta because I'm just saying Atlanta's scary. It's going to be tough. But if I tell people about it, then I'm definitely going. You got to do it. And then if I'm going, I'm going to start contacting people. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going, I'm going to be damn sure my folder of beats is really good. But if I just decide three days before, it'll be a mess. Right. So what does that look like? You go to Atlanta and is it an all day intensive? 
this is where I don't know exactly, but when I went to London, I just rented a studio in a cool part of town and I just camped out there and got on my DMs and called everyone I knew on planet Earth and tried to set some stuff up beforehand. And it got crazy in there eventually. At first, it seemed like no one was going to show up. And I panicked a little bit. But then I just kept working and it, and it worked out. That's pretty cool. So that's I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to run to studio, and I'm going to see what happens. But I'm going to try to prep as much as I can. But I know that even if you get six people to say they're coming, maybe three of them are coming. Right. You can't just count on everyone showing up and being like punctual. And mm-hmm. every we are all musicians. <laughs> Yes, yes. Creatives have their own schedule. Hey, you were on time for this interview, I think, on the dot. Oh, that's good. I, so I do appreciate that. But that's, I mean, it's kind of like sales. It's like you got to, you know, cast a wide net. I don't know what the what the numbers are, but it's like out of every like 100 people you reach out to, expect three to respond and, you know, one, one deal to close. So, yeah. That's something I started to even, uh, you kind of nailed it on that because I even started to think of that philosophy in the, in the production process. So I would say, I mean, I'm like revealing all these crazy things, but so I would make, I would say for the next three days, I'm going to make beats that would fit this characteristic of collaboration so you'd say like run the jewels dj shadow pretty lights would all maybe be able to listen to the same files and maybe be into it you know what i mean or like t grizzly erica banks offset blah 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 would all kind of maybe be able to listen to the same kind of files so then i can have like a oh i can't get in touch with this person can i get in touch with this person you know what i mean right that's kind of where I'm at now, or I'm like, I'm thinking of it in clusters. Right. Well, who would say no to you? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so rude. (laughs) I hope nobody. So, um, wow. I mean, this is just, it's a real privilege to be able to, to pick your brain on this. Um, and really valuable. The majority of my audience are artists, aspiring artists themselves. And so to be able to hear from someone, you know, that they look up to that it's okay to take these risks and that you still have fears and doubts and you're pushing through them as you're trying something new. That's a lot of people need to hear that. Yeah. If you watch, um, I don't know if anybody knows this, but that whole 80 days thing to make the album. I actually film the clip every day of the 80 days and it's running right now. And I've been watching it back and there's days where I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to get in the studio. No, yeah. <laughs> it's just a total nightmare. And I remember, and then I don't know. It's everybody has the same. It doesn't even matter if you're doing well or doing bad. Like everybody has the same problems. 
I still have the same problem starting a file that everyone does. Mm-hmm. And I still have the same, like, do I have to go into the studio? Yes, you do have to go in that everyone else has. And all of it. Yeah, it's a universal human experience that nobody is above. And I love the authenticity and the honesty um, because what we tend to see on like social media and shit is people giving their highlight reel. I mean, I sure do. I don't, I mean, I, I, I do try to talk about some of the, you know, um, things, ups and downs that I've been through, but for the majority of people, it's like, they just want to show what, what's working well for them. Yeah. That's kind of human nature. You just show your, it's like your resume or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Socials are complicated. I still don't know if I'm ever going to nail that, but I'm trying to get better at it. I'm well, trying to just push stuff up that is interesting now. Before I was just putting anything up, and now at least I'm like, well, let's actually serve the people that are following us and just give them stuff that they might actually like. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just putting up every fucking show clip. Yeah. Well, those are fun too. Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, because you, again, like you have built this community of people who are interested in you as an artist, but also as an experienced creator and someone who's given them these lasting memories. So it's cool that you're like, you're trying to give them a little bit more value. Yeah. I'm trying to give away a lot of things and think about it more like that. Like, uh, it's not all about me. It's just, can I make someone's day like 5% better by just giving them something that I don't know, just even if it's just like a DJ mix or anything. Yeah. Well, again, like universal principle, you give and you receive more when you, when you give. Yeah. I started something this year that was kind of uncomfortable as well, which is now I write a weekly newsletter Oh, which is okay. kind of, it started out really hard. I was like, oh my God, how can I talk to people every week? But now I'm in the groove, I think. I like it now. It's great. What do you talk about? I talk about anything that is going on with me that week or like how something happened. But this is a, what it's, this is what it's been so far. I don't know how it's going to develop. But it's not, it doesn't have any graphics. It's just a it's just a raw email, and I basically tell a story or talk about something that's happening, and then usually give something away like a mix or a track that's unreleased, or I or I show I just link to the music video or something. So there's always something in there. If you if you like what I'm doing, then it's a great thing to sign up to. If you don't, if you are like, oh, weekly email is going to annoy me, then it's probably not for you. But I'm trying to actually get to that group that isn't annoyed by a weekly email. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to get to that group of people that are like, oh, I actually do want to hear a mix from you. Because right. those are the people that are my people. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and they opt in. So you yeah. know that they, they want something from you. Right. So I took the 
the Dirty Bird list was like sprawling. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was doing like, hey, do you want to come? I didn't just opt everyone in. Right. I said, do you want to come over here because this is what's happening over here? So my list is smaller. Right. But at least I know that they're in there. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like the having, um, you know, I've, I've talked about this on the show before. Is it more valuable to have 10 people who really, really love what you're doing or a hundred people who are just spectators, you yeah. know, and lurkers and that those 10 people are, they will go to the end of the earth for you. They'll go to all your shows. Like they'll support, support you no matter what. That's, that's way more valuable. Yeah. I mean, we've had this conversation even in our office. My, my day-to-day manager is like, we're sending too many emails. And I'm like, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you think you're getting too many emails, then this isn't your group. Right. <laughs> like right. we're actually talking to people that we hope want to hear from us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, and there are, like, like I said, they opted in. They're, they're eager to see what you're doing now. I mean, everything is shiny and new. Like nobody knows what to expect if, if what your shows are going to be like, how they're going to be different. And so there's a lot of excitement there. And then getting the glimpse at like you as a person, it's always fun to see, you know, how your favorite artists are when they're not on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you should sign up for it. I will. I was going to say, I'm going to do it after this, after this call. I absolutely will. I haven't written this week yet, but I think it's, I think I'm going to give away the Wakan mix from last year that people have been asking for. Cool. Well, I, I think, I think it's great that you're doing that. There's not a lot of artists to my knowledge that have them and I know it's a pain in the ass because I have one too and mine's like a really short one it's like a journal prompt a week and sometimes yeah. I forget and I'm like Ugh. but I, yeah. I don't know it's a it's a pain in the ass to remember to do it so props to you I mean it's weekly and I'm you know I really I've been trying to just like process wise, just to give you some insight, I've been trying to figure out like, you know how, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but basically when I'm, I was just flailing before, like we got to do everything. Mm-hmm. Why isn't our TikTok massive? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So then this year I was like, what can we do that isn't, just so extremely stressful where there isn't a fire alarm every day. And so I just wrote down a list of like seven or eight things. And I'm like, if we can just do these seven or eight things every month and release a track every six weeks, that's, we can achieve this. And it's better than what we were doing before where we were like, Oh my God. Facebook just started shops or whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. right. So it's like, my thing is I'll write a weekly newsletter. I'll edit. I used to be a video editor. I'll try to edit something really cool. That is like a quality post and do one of those every week. And then we can just have like side posts, but I'll try to do one quality post a week. I'm going to do one limited clothing item a month 
but then have like a regular shop and then one super like a super content piece a month which is like a filmed dj set or mm-hmm. a music video or unreleased ep and that's it mm-hmm. and a music release every six weeks yeah I mean, that is enough that's a lot of work it, that is that. Yeah, that's a lot. But it's but, not an unachievable list. It's not like, right. and I'm going to be the best TikTok star and I'm going to be this. Right. and I'm going to join the Olympic decathlon team and I'm going to get yeah. monster energy drink sponsorships. And like, right. I, right. I'm just and trying we, to keep it to a man. Totally. Right. Totally. And, um, you know, I, so what I do uh, you know, my, my day job is I'm a branding consultant and that is something that I preach to every client that I bring on. I said, you, you know, this, this bank client, you don't need to be on TikTok. Okay. You're a bank. You don't need to be on TikTok, you know, and this personal stylist, like why you don't need to be on Twitter because yeah. people are going to Twitter for news. You just need to pick a few things that you can do really, really well and yeah. focus on those and you'll experience exponential growth just from doing that. And I mean, this is exactly synonymous with how we started the conversation of you just focusing on your music, right? It's yeah. All about, all about simplifying. It's like during the pandemic, I tried to trade stocks. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and then I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're not good at trading stocks. <laughs> That's so funny. You should That's- just make more music. <laughs> like, how are you going to actually make money? Be good, being good at trading stocks or making music. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to try, you got to try <laughs> things sometimes, but that's really funny. But I was saying like, it took, it takes a few of these like side wild goose chases to realize mm-hmm. you should really do your core competency. And mm-hmm. if you're actually good at something, your chances of succeeding are so much better if you actually just focus on it. That's perfect. Perfect advice. I, I love that. And this conversation has been such a a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for giving me and others who will see this, um, like an inside view of your brain. It's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, this was, this was awesome. Thank you. You're a good interviewer. Thank you so much. Uh, This was my core competency, I guess you could say. There you go. (laughs) Well, I hope you you enjoy Atlanta. Good luck. I'm excited to see what comes out of that. Thank you. I mean, I think I'm going to be in Chicago before that. Are you going to go to Chicago? I I mean, I live here. So March 9th. March 9th. I'll I'll be here. Where are are you at Concord? I think so. Yeah. I think I just saw that actually when I was perusing. I mean, I would love, I've never been to one of your, one of these sets. This is your chance. Okay. (laughs) Got it. I've been to like, oh God, I think probably like, I'm not like, this is going to sound creepy. I think I've been to like 11 Claude sets. Wow. That's great. I know it's but a lot by chance too. Like you just happen to be like, I happen to be in the same place and um, I've loved them all. So it would be cool to see something new. My two favorite takeaways from this episode. Number one, focus on your core competencies. 
Love that. Do you really need to be on TikTok and threads and Reddit and Discord and all of the things? Or can you just focus on doing one or two things and doing them really well? Number two, stop going for easy. Easy is shit. You need to go after the goals that scare you, not the ones you know you can accomplish. If you like today's episode, the best way to support the show is to share it with your friends. Share, 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 please. And by the way, my newsletter, I do link it in the show notes every week. I send out goal setting journal prompts every Sunday. So if you're into that sort of thing, you need some inspo, sign up, it's free. And I don't spam you or try to sell you shit, at least not for now. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you next week.